Do we need forgiveness if we haven't done anything wrong on Yom Kippur? Is there anything to ask God for? Now, we know nobody is perfect. Everybody has made mistakes. Everyone has done bad in the past. We all have things in life that we regret. But for many of us, thankfully, we don't have very big regrets. They may just be small regrets. Now, that might just be because we never recognize the things that we did wrong. We have done wrong, and we refuse to recognize that. That's a big problem. We have to recognize that which we've done wrong and regret it. But some of us may feel that perhaps we don't have great regrets. Do we still need Yom Kippur? Do we still need to ask for forgiveness? And so what is Yom Kippur? The day Yom Kippur, is the name Yom Kippur is mentioned in the Torah, uh, or Yom Kippurim. Um, Kippur comes from the word in Hebrew, kapara, which is usually translated as atonement. So Yom Kippur, day of atonement. What does atonement mean? So it's usually thought of as forgiveness for our sins, usually thought as a synonym of forgiveness. But in Hebrew, the Hebrew word kapara actually means to cleanse. So in Hebrew, we use the, in the Torah, we use the term bechiter, that he will cleanse. So kapara means to cleanse. It's really about cleaning, cleansing ourselves. On a basic level, it refers to somebody who did do something wrong, since nobody is perfect, at least to some extent, we've all done things wrong, some more, some minor, some major, some that have been life-changing, but somebody who has done something wrong leaves a stain on themselves. They've done wrong, that's now a stain on their record. It's a stain on their soul, a stain on also the world around them. They've caused harm around them, they've done wrong. And so the process of kapara is to try to clean up that mess, clean up the stain on ourselves, clean up the stain on our souls, clean up the stain uh, we've left in the world around. Now, how do we do that? How do we get kapara? So Yom Kippur is the day of kapara, the day of cleansing, the day that we get cleansed, the day that our environment gets cleansed from any stains we may have left from the bad things that we have done. However, our sages say that Yom Kippur mechaper leshavim. The day of Yom Kippur only atones for those who return. Or in Hebrew, teshuvah. God only cleanses the mess we may have made with bad things that we've done if we change our ways, if we do teshuvah, if we return. So we first need to return, and then God will cleanse us. And for that reason, a lot of Yom Kippur and the period, the, the period leading up to Yom Kippur, the month of Elul, the 10 days of Teshuvah, are focused on doing Teshuvah, on returning to God. Only when we do Teshuvah, when we return, only then will God truly cleanse us. The Midrash actually tells us that for minor transgressions, that we have done, minor things that we've done wrong. We don't even need Yom Kippur. Teshuvah, returning, is enough. More serious transgressions, we need help with the cleansing. We can do Teshuvah, we're still not clean. For that, we need the holy day of Yom Kippur to really cleanse us. And then the Bidrash tells us for even more serious transgressions, for very, very serious transgressions, even Yom Kippur doesn't fully cleanse us. We need Teshuvah 
and Yom Kippur, but then God also causes us suffering and we get cleansed through suffering. That doesn't mean that every time we suffer, it's in order to cleanse us, but we do get cleansed from our mess, from our stains through suffering. And then the Midrash concludes that there are times for very, very, very serious transgressions that Teshuvah itself doesn't cleanse us, Yom Kippur doesn't cleanse us, suffering doesn't cleanse us, and we only get cleansed in death. So um, we did have to, though, um, to cleanse, we did have to go through this process of Teshuvah in order to get Kapara, to be fully cleansed, and Yom Kippur is part of that cleansing. We also had other things that we would do to cleanse, and we're going to talk about them soon, to different things that help in this cleansing process. So what is Teshuvah? What exactly is it? The Hebrew word Teshuvah is often translated as repentance. It more accurately comes from the Hebrew word Shov, Lashuv, to return. Teshuvah means returning. What is it? So there's a couple stages. The first stage in Teshuvah is called in Hebrew Charata. Or regret. Stage one, after we've done something wrong, is recognizing what we've done wrong and regretting it, regretting the past. We have to recognize that we have done whatever we did. Why does a person ever do something wrong? At the time, they think that they're going to gain from it. We think every decision that we make, we make the decision because we think this is the better decision. Sometimes we know deep down that it's not. But we are pulled in that direction. We are tempted to do something. Um, we feel at the time, at least, that this is the better decision. This is better for us because of perhaps immediate gain, because it's difficult to control ourselves, um, because we didn't recognize the consequences. Um, but we do things because we think we're going to gain from it. It was worthwhile for us, or at least at the time, we felt it was worthwhile for us to do whatever we did wrong. So firstly, you've got to recognize what you did. You've got to know what you did. And you have to recognize that it's wrong. You don't recognize that what we did is wrong and blame ourselves for it, then we won't be able to do teshuvah. We have a tendency when we do things wrong, we have a tendency to always shift the blame. Blame somebody else for it. Blame our background. Blame our upbringing. Blame people around us who led us to doing wrong. Blame influences in our lives, friends. We often like to blame other people, so we have to take responsibility. Part of the regret is recognizing that we did wrong, and ultimately it was our choice to do whatever we have done. We further have to recognize that not only was it the wrong thing to do, but it's something that we are now worse off because of. We've now done wrong. We should not have done it. The gains were not worth it. If they were, we'd do it again. So we have to regret what we did, believing that the gains were not worth it. We have to recognize that what we gained from what we did was not worth the cost of doing bad. So in this way, by doing this, by recognizing what we've done wrong and regretting, in Hebrew, charata, we step back from what we've done and now, given the choice again, we would be different. We'd do it differently next time. We've regretted our past. In this way, we can undo the bad that we've done. We've undone it in a sense that that decision that we did 
that we may took back then, if we would be given that decision today, we would choose otherwise. We regret that decision we made. However, moving away from the bad that we've done, it's not just enough to recognize what we've done, take responsibility for it, and regret what we've done, recognize that it was wrong, and that given the choice, you would not do it again. But it's important to also verbally recognize it, verbally express what we've done wrong. And this in Hebrew is called vidui. Vidui translated as confession. And this is very different than confession in other religions, where you confess to somebody else. In Judaism, you confess to yourself. We don't encourage you to confess to other people. In fact, you should never share your transgressions with other people. You should be embarrassed of them. That's not something that you should speak about with other people. It's rather, it's rather something that you have to recognize yourself, verbally express it to yourself. And indeed, throughout Yom Kippur, we recite what's called vidui confession, where we recite many, many different transgressions that we may have done, or many, many different circumstances under which we may have transgressed. And even if indeed we did not commit those transgressions, even if indeed we did not transgress under those circumstances, even if we did not do bad under those circumstances, we recite it as part of the community for everybody. There are always people who have done wrong. But since nobody's perfect, everybody's done a little wrong. So we, um, we have this standard reading as we do um, for everything in Judaism, it's kind of a standard text um, in order that if you're tongue-tied, you don't know what to say, read that and find what you've done, what you're regretting in there. If you have something specific that you want to add, you're welcome to add any specific things that you regret. But it's important to regret it verbally. It's important to say what you regret. And that's for two reasons. Firstly, we believe that people are impacted by what we say more, more than by what we think. If we think something, it doesn't impact the same way as when we say it. That is why Judaism tells us, Jewish sources tell us, that if somebody is angry, the best thing to calm down, help themselves calm down, is to be quiet. Don't express it. Don't say anything. Be quiet. Hold your tongue. Very different than what modern therapy will tell you. Don't express it. Because the more you express yourself, the more angry you're going to get. Why? Because when we say things verbally, it helps generate our emotion, it helps generate our feeling. So when we verbally express our regret, vidui, confession, when we verbally express our regret to ourselves, to God, it helps us really feel that regret. Even more so, regret is something that's very, very uncomfortable. Recognizing what we've done wrong is something very uncomfortable. But we need that discomfort in order to change. The only way we're going to really change ourselves is by going through the discomfort of regretting, recognizing I've done wrong. Nobody wants to recognize I've done something wrong. Who wants to? Everyone wants to see themselves as the best, as good. We don't want to recognize things we've done wrong. Recognizing what we've done wrong is very difficult. Verbally expressing it is even more difficult. So it's that discomfort that helps bring us, helps change us, 
helps, helps make us different, helps us truly regret what we've done. So we have so far in Teshuvah what we've done wrong. We have two stages, charata, regret, recognizing what we've done wrong, recognizing, taking responsibility for it, and recognizing that we would not do such a thing again. Second step is vidui, expressing that regret verbally um, to ourselves, to God, expressing that regret. But then there's a third step, and that is asking God for forgiveness. Now, when we do right and wrong, when people do things, you could do something right, do something wrong. We often equate right and wrong with things that help others or harm others. Our society today, often based on humanistic principles, um, often consider if you help others to be something right, and if you harm others to be something wrong. However, Judaism does not see right and wrong through the lens only of what we do to other people. In Judaism, we see the arbitrator of right and wrong is, is God. God is the creator of our universe, created us, set us in this world on a mission, gave us instructions. Doing the right thing is following God's instructions. Doing the wrong thing is going against God's instructions. We see right and wrong and not as how they impact another person. Right and wrong is doing the right thing is following God's instructions. Doing the wrong thing is going against God's instructions. That's how we in Judaism define right and wrong. God is the arbitrator of right, right and wrong, or God is the definition of right and wrong. Something that is what God wants is right. If it is not what God wants, it is wrong. Now, some of those rights and wrongs are just in, don't involve other people. God asked me to do something just between me and him. doesn't impact anybody else around me. Told me to do a mitzvah or told me don't do a certain thing. doesn't impact anything else. It's just me. It's something that I do privately. Privacy of my room. It's just between me and God. Following God is the right thing. Going against what God wants will be the wrong thing. Some of those instructions from God are interpersonal as well. They involve how we treat other people. There are many of our commandments, or what we call in Hebrew, between man and man, between one person and another person. Many of our commandments are about how we treat other people. And so we're commanded to be kind to others. We're commanded to help others when they are in need. We're commanded to give charity or tzedakah to others who are in need. We have many commandments we're commanded not to insult others verbally, not to ever hurt another person, not to mislead another person. We have many commandments involved that involve interpersonal activity. So now, if we transgress a commandment, we've done something wrong, God forbid, um, that does not involve other people, it's just between us and God. We have to turn to God after we've recognized what we've done wrong, regretted it verbally verbalize that regret we have to ask god for forgiveness which is what we do throughout our prayers on yom kippur we beg god for forgiveness we actually ask god every day daily for forgiveness on yom kippur it's a day of atonement we ask god for forgiveness but if the transgression is interpersonal involves harming harming another person god will not forgive us until we ask forgiveness of that individual we need to first ask that individual to forgive us, and only then will God forgive us. And so 
we believe that proper teshuva is, includes asking God for forgiveness, but in, when it involves harming another individual, we need to ask that individual for forgiveness. We cannot cleanse what we've done wrong until that other individual forgives us. Now, because every time someone does something wrong, it not only leaves a mark on themselves, but on the environment around them, if somebody else has harmed us, we should forgive them too. Because without forgiving them, they won't be cleansed. The environment around us won't be cleansed. And we're negatively impacted by the bad they've done. So we want to, be, in order for us to help them gain kapara, gain, a clean, be cleansed, we need to forgive them as well. Now, recognizing what we've done wrong, regretting it, and asking for forgiveness is still not enough. There's, a no, there's more steps to it. Earlier we mentioned that when someone does something wrong, they leave a stain on themselves and on their environment. So we need to do our part to try to clean up that stain. So it's not only within ourselves cleaning it, but we have to do our part to really work on cleaning up that stain. If it is something that we have done wrong, to somebody else, we've harmed somebody else. If we've caused them financial harm, we clean up the stain by paying them for their loss. If it was not financial, if it was emotional harm that we caused them, if we insulted them, we have to clean it by offering them warmth, warmth offering them emotional support, by helping them, or by, if we insulted them, by praising them, retracting the insult. So it's not enough just to ask for forgiveness. We also have to work to clean up the mess that we've done. And there's usually in most things, there's steps that can be taken to clean up the mess. This is true for other people. We've harmed other people. It's not enough to say, I'm sorry. I regret having hurt you. You've got to pay for financial losses or emotional loss. You've got to give them emotional support. You've got to help them emotionally. Sometimes a gift. Sometimes send them something that shows them that you care. Send them flowers or send them something that shows that you care about them. So it's not enough just to ask for forgiveness, but we have to do something to cleanse um, what we've done wrong. The same is also both for interpersonal and for things that are just between us and God. Either way, we've caused a heart, we've caused a um, stain um, in our soul, in ourselves, and we have to make up for God too. It's not enough just to tell God that I feel bad for what I've done. I regret what I've done, I'm not gonna do it again, and verbally express that and ask God for forgiveness. We have to take steps to actually clean up that stain that we've left behind. Often that can be done with tzedakah. If what we did wrong was for a financial gain, if that was part of the cause of what we did wrong, then giving charity is able to help. Sometimes there's no way to directly clean up what we've done wrong, but extra prayer, extra mitzvot, so to speak, to make God make up for what we've done, will help cleanse that state. In Judaism, we call this finding a fix for the stain that we've done. It's called a tikkun, or tikkun. Tikkun means if somebody has done something wrong, then um, they can give charity, to try to cleanse the stain, um, add extra prayers, 
add an extra mitzvah. These are all tikkunim. These are all fixings um, or solutions to try to cleanse the stain, cleaning solutions, if you will, to try to cleanse the stain, make up with God for the things that we may have done wrong. So we now know that in order to do, if we've done wrong, in order to gain kapara, to gain atonement, to gain to be cleansed, there's a number we need a process called teshuva. Teshuva has a number of steps. It requires firstly recognize what we've done wrong and regretting it. Verbally, that would charata in Hebrew. Verbally expressing what we've done wrong, vidui. Then we have uh, verbally expressing uh, vidui. Then we have to ask for forgiveness, selicha, which is forgiveness, asking for forgiveness with, from other people as well as for God, if it's regardless. Every time we harm another person, we've harmed God as well. But sometimes when we harm God, we harm other people too. So um, if another person was involved from another person, um, if it's just God from God, um, we, and then we still need tikkun, meaning to fix what we've done. Try to make up for what we've done, whether it's helping with another person or doing extra mitzvahs for God. Uh, regardless, every mitzvah harms God and leaves a spiritual stain, and we need to do extra mitzvahs, give extra tzedakah, or extra prayer to help us re-cleanse that stain with God. But then there's a final step. The final step of Teshuvah is really the main part of Teshuvah and where Teshuvah gets its name from, return. The final step is we have to make sure that we truly will never do that thing again. We will never go back to our old ways. Not just that we regretted what we've done. It's easy to regret it when you're standing on Yom Kippur in prayer and thinking about your coming year, and particularly this year, the challenges we've had over the past year, and asking God for a better year, and knowing that when you said who by plague last year in your um, prayers, um, unfortunately 200,000 people this year have already died from plague. And when you think of that and you know that it's still raging, so it's not only asking God, well, on Yom Kippur when we're thinking about it, but you've got to make sure that next time you're in the exact same position that you were last time, you don't make the same bad decision. You don't do the same thing wrong again. It's easy to regret when you're standing uh, after the fact. So the final step is we have to make sure that we will never do the same thing again. Because if we regret, regret it, and then when you get back in the same position, you, you just go do it again, it was no teshuva. The regret was never sincere. Even though it felt sincere, you really meant it on Yom Kippur. But of what value is it? You just go back and do it again. You need to be certain that when you're faced with the same challenge again, you won't repeat it ever again. And we do this by becoming a different person. We become a totally different person. We are not the person that we were before. We're somebody different. We become unrecognizable, Maimonides says. You've got to be a different person. Yes, the person who I was last week was able to make that bad decision. But today, I'm a new person. I would never do such a thing. 
I wouldn't even consider it. It's not just going through the motions of regret, confession, asking for forgiveness, and making up cleansing. It's about becoming a different person. It's about knowing the reason why I did this thing wrong was because of my whole perspective on life. I was self-centered. I was focused on the here and now. I didn't look at the bigger picture. I didn't look at my purpose on life. I was not focused on why I'm really here. I didn't see my life as a mission and purpose, as a goal that I'm working towards. I saw just the here and now. I saw just me and what I wanted at the time. But now I'm going to become a new person. I recognize that there's more to life than just the here and now, more to life than my personal needs or my personal wants. I recognize that in life, I need to be focused on my goal and my mission. And anything that doesn't help my goal and mission is I, I'm going to keep away from. It's about becoming a different person. You're not the same person you were when you made the mistake. Now, often we become a different person. We become a better person. We do what we call teshuva. Return to God. But then we could sometimes still change back and go back to being the old person. In fact, life is a constant struggle. Life is a constant struggle of two different types of personalities. A self-centered personality that's focused on the here and now, focused on me, short-sighted, thinking of just me, what I want, what's helping me right now. And a, and a mission-centered individual, a person who recognizes more to life than me. I'm here for something greater than myself. I've been given instructions. I'm, I know what I'm supposed to be doing. Anything that harms my mission is unacceptable. I need to be doing the right thing. So our life is a constant struggle between these two things. Teshuva means that we return. We turn, but return back to our souls. Our sages say, it says, The soul returns back to God that gave it that created it, we return back to God. Teshuvah means return, we come back to God. We believe every one, of our, every one of us is, has a soul. That soul is a part of God that was placed here on earth as God's agent on earth with a mission and purpose. And our goal in life is to fulfill that mission. Anything that takes us off track, we're off track of our goal. We're moving away from our purpose. We're ruining our lives. When we recognize that, how can we do something wrong? So real teshuva is real, we could call it recalibrating. We can recalibrate our lives. So whenever we've done anything wrong, big or small, it's important to recalibrate our lives. It's important to recognize not just the things that we've done wrong, which we need to do as well, and regret it, and try to make up for it, verbalize what we said, and um, ask for forgiveness, and try to take steps to make up for what we've done wrong. But we really need to recalibrate our lives. And that's what the day of Yom Kippur is really about. So Yom Kippur, it's a day of cleansing. But it's really not just about cleansing us from our sins. It's about recalibrating our lives, recognizing that we often get carried away in life. It's so easy to get carried away by things in life. It's so easy to be focused on the wrong thing. There's a story about the great tzaddik Rebbe, 
Rav Nachmendel of Lubavitcher as the Tzemach Tzedek. One time, one of his followers came and started telling him all about his business. He was in the galoshes business. Those who um, grew up perhaps on the East Coast would be familiar. Those that they don't really have them anymore. Uh, we're, well, we're, we're much wealthier now. Those that couldn't afford boots, um, they would have galoshes or rubbers that you'd put around your um, you'd put around your shoes in order to um, in order well, it, when you went in the snow so that your shoes shouldn't get wet. So um, this fellow was in the he had a galoshes factory. So he um, came to his Rebbe and he told his Rebbe, he was telling his Rebbe all about his business. Asked for blessings, that things should work out in his business and his business should do well. He's telling him all about his business. So the Rebbe responded to him and said, I've seen people put their shoes, their feet in their galoshes, but I've never seen anyone before with their head in the galoshes. And all, we often make this mistake, right? We, we tend to focus on things that are unimportant. Now they are, of course, our business is important. Uh, we can't live without it. And there are a lot of things in life that are important. We need to take care of our health. We need to take care of our family. But we've got to remember that all of that is all part of our mission. We're eight God's agents here on earth. It's all part of our mission, part of our purpose. Don't get carried away. Don't get carried away with the... Um, meaningless parts of life. And so really Yom Kippur is about not just cleansing the bad that we've done. Not just cleansing the bad. Yom Kippur is really about recalibrating. The final stage or teshuva. It's about recalibrating, re-change, recognizing our lives are not really about me, my particular gain. How am I going to do better in life? Today, everybody, when they're already in high school, every kid's told to create for themselves a LinkedIn profile they need, and then they um, send off their college applications. Um, many of us the, uh, may not recognize this because we didn't have to do this back in our day. Our kids did it. But you've got to send off college applications, and in the college applications, you've got to write essays about how wonderful you are and why you are, God, why you are God's gift to humanity and the college would not be able to manage without you. And you've got to make sure you do that all in a way of showing great humility at the same time. And so to be good, the perfect individual. And so we in live in a society where we're self-focused, focused on ourselves from a very young age, on our careers, on building our lives, on who we are, on our identity, on what I am, how the world uh, looks at me, my public profile. We um, create ourselves Wikipedia pages, um, definitely LinkedIn pages, um, and other pages, we all have our profile and uh, want to make sure, very focused on ourselves. But Judaism, perhaps the most important value of Judaism is life is not about me. Yes, I need to take care of myself to fulfill my mission in life, but I'm here for a mission. I'm here for a purpose. I'm here for something else. Don't get carried away. And the final step in Teshuvah, the main step in Teshuvah, is not just regretting bad that we've done, but recalibrating. Remember what life is about. It's not about my job. It's not about my family. It's not about my profile. It's not about my public persona. It's not about my social life. It's not about my golf tournaments. It's about my mission in life, my purpose. 
what God wants for me to make an impact, make a spiritual impact in this world through following God's commandments here on earth. When we recognize that, it changes our perspective entirely. It won't be permanent because we, our lives are a struggle. That's okay. But we need to constantly recalibrate. Yom Kippur is the time for that, the time for teshuva, the time for recalibrating. And that is why the Alter Rebbe writes in his book, Lekutei Torah, that people make the mistake and think that teshuva, I'll be translated as repentance, but it means return. Or Yom Kippur are for people who have done wrong. They say, you know, no one's perfect, but I'm okay. I haven't done that much bad in my life. I'm pretty good. I haven't done any big, big, big transgressions. I haven't done anything really bad, small stuff. Nothing to lose much sleep over. So maybe Yom Kippur is not for me. Maybe Teshuvah is not for me. And the Altar says, no, that's a mistake. Teshuvah is for everyone. Everyone in life is struggling with these two sides to us. On the one hand, we know deep down we're God's agents. We need to do the right thing. We're here to make an impact. We're here to make a spiritual impact through following God's instructions. And on the other hand, we have our selfish side, our ego, that's pushing us to enhance our own ourselves, enhance our lives, build our career, build our persona, uh, build our profile, um, focus on all sorts of other um, meaningless pursuits that are of not much value. Everyone therefore needs to do teshuva. Everyone constantly needs to recalibrate themselves. So we need to do this throughout the year. We need to do this always. But really Yom Kippur is the time of teshuva. It is the time to recalibrate, the time to refocus, the time to recognize, yes, I may have done all sorts of different things over the past year, but my real achievements are my spiritual achievements. My real achievements at the end of my life are not going to be the amount of holes in one I was able to get, or the amount of marathons I was able to run, or my Wikipedia page, or my LinkedIn page. Nobody's going to look at my LinkedIn profile after I die. But my real impact in life will be the spiritual impact. How much have I fulfilled the mission for which I was sent here on earth? As God's agent, have I fulfilled that agency? Have I fulfilled my mission? So Yom Kippur is really that time of teshuva. We need to regret bad things. We've recognized bad things we've done. Regret. We need to um, ask for forgiveness. We need to verbalize what we've done. Vidui. We need to ask for forgiveness, licha. We need to fix it up, tikkun. But we really need teshuva. We need to recalibrate. That's the most important, perhaps the most difficult part. and something that we need to constantly do our entire lives. Our sages say, koyamav b'tshuva. A person should spend their entire life doing teshuva. Their entire life recalibrating. We don't need to do any big bad things in order to recalibrate. We all need that recalibration to refocus on who we truly are and who we truly need. And to conclude, there's a beautiful story that's told. Um, you may have heard this before, but it's worth repeating today as we move towards Yom Kippur. Um, a story that's told about a, um, about a fellow who was not very successful, not doing very well, and he heard that there was an island far away where um, diamonds were found on the streets. The streets were paved with diamonds. You can go there, you get very rich very quickly. So he leaves his family 
and he goes to this, he take, takes a boat to this island with streets are paved with diamonds. He comes and sure enough gets off the boat wherever he turns diamonds on the floor all over. He fills his pockets with diamonds. He comes to a hotel, he books himself into the hotel and he, um, he ta- has a great dinner, every, uh, looks at, takes everything on the menu without looking at prices. And then um, when it's time to pay, he pulls out a diamond and he says, here, take this, keep the change. And they look at him and say, that's a stone. Why are you giving that to us? What are we going to do with it? He says, it's a diamond. They say, no, it's a stone. It's not of any value to us. He says, so how then do I pay? They say, oh, over here, we use chicken fat. Chicken fat is the currency here. You need to get chicken fat to pay. And so he says, but I don't have any chicken fat. So they say, well, your only solution is you're going to have to work for us in the restaurant as a dishwasher until you, you work off your meal. So he agrees. He starts working in the restaurant, works off his meal, then suddenly he begins to get paid. Anyway, he starts, he does really well. So he becomes a manager in the restaurant. He's getting paid in chicken fat. Um, and soon um, the owner of the restaurant offers to sell it to him. He buys the restaurant. The restaurant does really well. Soon he builds multiple restaurants around the island. He's doing really well. Now he has whole um, warehouses full filled with chicken fat. And um, he's um, one of the, becoming one of the wealthier people on the island, invests in real estate. Now he's doing really, really, really well. And finally, after a number of years, he's become the wealthiest man in the island. He decides it's time to go home and show his wealth to his family. He fills up many boats filled with chicken fat, stored with chicken fat, and a whole um, fleet of boats travel back towards his house. Um, he comes home and his, he sends a message to his family. He's coming, he's very wealthy. His family come to greet him. And as the fleet comes into the harbor, the smell is horrible, it's horrendous. And they come, he comes off the boat. His family are excited to see him. He comes towards them and he stinks. He stinks of chicken fat, rotten chicken fat. And he comes, runs over to hug them. I'm a wealthy man. And they move away, he stinks. Say, what happened? said, I'm such a wealthy man. I have low boats and boats, low boatloads of chicken fat. The chicken fat, it's rotten. What are you going to do with it? It's not worth anything. He said, oh, I forgot. I forgot that it's not worth anything in this country. He said, but wasn't it an island paved with diamonds? Don't you have any diamonds with you? It's diamonds. Oh, I forgot I was supposed to bring home the diamonds. And he puts his hand in his pocket and he finds one diamond that he had forgotten to take out of his pocket. He says, look, I have a diamond. And so this is a mashal, it's a parable. Um, of course, it never really happened, but it's about it's our story in life. We often, um, we were sent in life to down to earth to collect diamonds. We're God's agents here on earth. We're supposed to collect diamonds by following God's instructions. What often happens is we get carried away. We get carried away by all sorts of currency that goes here in this world. Fame, money to start with, fame, recognition, um, social life, all sorts of other currencies that exist in this world. And we forget that we're agents here on earth. We're here with a mission. When we end this mission, we're all those things we can't take with us, no matter how many holes in one we manage to get, in heaven it's worthless. 
all the money we managed to accumulate is worthless. So remember, what really matters is our mitzvot, the commandments that we followed, our masim tovim, our good deeds. That's what really matters. So Yom Kippur is really a time of teshuvah, not only to um, fix ourselves and cleanse ourselves from the bad we've done, but really to recalibrate our lives, to refocus our lives, to return back to God, as the word teshuvah implies.